Sometimes you just don't trust that something is going to happen unless it is persistently in front of you. You can think of some examples. I've used them before. Something like, say, children asking, are we there yet? They don't really trust. They don't understand how far something is. They want that confirmation that you're going to arrive. Or you also can, as an adult, maybe, maybe not. I'm not accusing anybody here. You might also check the tracking information on a package you're expecting a few times a day just to make sure it's actually going to show up. I see people smiling. It isn't just me. We need confirmation. We want to know that something is really going to happen. We want to be sure. And I think this is especially true when it's something good that we're waiting for. Now, if you're a relatively pessimistic person, you really need to be reassured because you are doubtful that the good will actually come, that it will actually happen. You can't believe that it will actually come to pass because I just can't believe anything good will happen. We need, we feel we need confirmation so that we can trust that these good things will come to pass. And we see this same idea today in the words of Holy Scripture as we come to our passage today in the book of Genesis. Throughout the book of Genesis, we have the covenant promise stated and confirmed. Things happen and there are bumps along the road. There's a significant passage of time sometimes. And so people doubt whether or not it's even going to happen. But God continually renews his promise with his people. And this is not only for their benefit, it's also for ours. It's for our good. For us to be continually reminded that God keeps his promises to his covenant people. And he will not fail. So as we look at these five verses, we're going to be focusing today on two main points. As we take a slight detour from what was set up for us last week. Last week we we saw the introduction of Jacob and Esau and the story really kind of starts to turn. We feel this shift away from Isaac. But for this week and for next, we're going to go back to Isaac And one of the big ideas that is going to come through is that God is faithful. God is keeping his promise to his covenant people. And so for our first point today, we're going to see that circumstances are once again not good. This seems to be a reoccurring theme for the covenant people of God in Genesis. And it feels like the story is repeating itself, right? Because we can remember back to when Abraham experienced a famine, And it led to his unfaithfulness. I'll remind you of that here in just a minute. And so we're asking the question as we read the story. Will the same thing happen with Isaac? Or will Isaac be faithful to God? Now our second point is that God confirms the covenant with Isaac. Yes, the promise was to Abraham. But it was not fully come in the birth of Isaac or in any land that he may have obtained in the promised land. This promise that is continuing goes on and on. And the people of God are called to trust in God and believe in this covenant promise, even though it's far off. Even though they may not attain it themselves, they are called to trust it anyway. And so we dive into the first two verses here of this passage, and we see that there is, once again, a famine in the land. 
Now it's important, very important, that we address something that can come up with some of these stories in Genesis. There are those who are critical of the text of Scripture, and they will say that these events didn't actually happen. The author just repeats the same themes over and over. And so this couldn't have happened to Isaac in the same way it happened to Abraham. Well, that's not the case. We have to remember what is going on here. As Moses is collecting these stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the descendants, he is drawing out themes for us. He's taking what happened and he's saying, what is the big theme of the work of God that's happening here? And what the theme is, is that he's drawing out God's covenant faithfulness, his promise to the people of God. And so we know very little about Isaac's life. Now when we tell someone a story, what do we focus on? The elements that matter to the big story that we're trying to tell, or do we give them little, te- little details? If you have a humorous story that, about something that happened to someone in your family, do you start out that story with, well, I woke up this morning and I brushed my teeth, and then I had breakfast. Do you tell all the details of the story, or do you tell the parts of the story that help to draw out what you're going to, the funny part of the story you're going to tell later on. We know how we tell a story. And Moses is doing the same thing here. He's drawing out these parts of Isaac's life to help us to understand the big theme here. We don't need all the little details, all kinds of stories about Isaac and Abraham. What we need is the covenant promise and how God is going to fulfill it. And so Moses is inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us the details that we need. And it's not hard to believe that in the life of Isaac, he encountered a famine in the same way that his father Abraham did. How hard is it to believe that there's another famine? How many droughts have you experienced in your lifetime? Quite a few. It happens. I guess they probably happened in your father's lifetime and in your grandfather's lifetime. It happens. And so in this time, a famine would have been a very, very big deal. We have to think about how a famine would impact Isaac because we have to remember, he is the one who inherited the spoils from his father. He is not just a guy wandering around in the desert with a few sheep. That's not what he's doing. He is a nomadic king. He has inherited this from his father Abraham. He's got a little kingdom following him around in the wilderness. And so he has scores and scores of people to care for, those who work for him. And and a famine in the area that they are in would have made life very difficult. He isn't just going to go around and scavenge for a few things for himself to eat. He has to think about how all these people who are following him around are going to be provided for. How is he going to care for that many people when food is so scarce. And this is a bigger problem for him than just needing to tighten his belt and spend a little less because food's going to cost a little bit more at the store. Lives are in the balance here. It's not just Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Esau that are in the balance here. There are many lives that Isaac has under his care. So remember back Now, as we think about this this famine, think back to what happened with Abraham. This is the important part of, it's an important point of recollection for us. 
What did Abraham do when he was faced with these very circumstances? He went to Egypt. And if you'll remember, that whole episode was an absolute disaster. Abraham lied about who his wife was, and God affected the Egyptians with sickness. The whole thing showed us that even though Abraham was chosen by God and he was faithful to follow him, there were several circumstances where Abraham failed to follow God as he was supposed to. And he put the covenant promise in jeopardy. By giving up his wife, how is he going to have offspring that are the promise of God? Because he gave his wife to the Egyptians. And so God punishes Abraham. He brings him back by by causing these things to happen. And so now, Isaac is the new guy. Isaac is the one on which the covenant promise rests. And we're going to see here that he has a similar option to Abraham. And the question that is being asked, is Isaac going to trust God? Or is he going to run off like Abraham and try to fix things on his own? Will he trust that God is a covenant God who keeps his promises? Or is he going to take matters into his own hand? Is he going to fix it by himself? And so as the story unfolds here, we see a familiar name from the story of Abraham. We're going to see that Isaac encounters a king named Abimelech. Now, we saw this name before in our stories, but it's not the same guy. It's been at least 90 years since Abraham encountered Abimelech, and so this is either a title for the king of the Philistines, or it's a descendant of the previous Abimelech. And this is all happening. And what happens? The Lord appears to Isaac, and he tells him, don't go to Egypt. You're to dwell where I tell you to stay. And this is a command from God, and it's to test the faith of Isaac. Because Abraham had failed in the past, what will Isaac do? Will he be faithful to God, or will he run off and do it on his own? Will he remain near the presence of God, or will he seek out what he needs from someone other than God? And so we've seen that things are bad, and this is testing the faith of Isaac. Circumstances would be dire in a famine, and with the responsibilities that Isaac has, God is still saying, don't take this into your own hands. Trust me. Stay where I say for you to stay. And so as we move on to the second point, we're going to see that God is going to renew the covenant promise again. We find that God wants Abraham to sojourn in the land. Now that's an interesting word to use here. It isn't a word that we throw out too often. I I doubt At any point this week, any of you either probably used the word sojourn or heard the word sojourn. We just don't use that kind of language. And so we don't probably fully understand what it means. Well, here in Genesis, the word sojourn means to reside as a resident alien. In other words, this is your home, you're going to live here, but it's not your home. It's not your possession yet. It's not where you are going to remain forever yourself. And so God is telling Isaac to remain there. And he's going to live off the land there. And God will bless him. He will interact with the people. It will be where God blesses him. But it will not fully be his possession yet. He may even have substantial influence and power with his wealth and all of his servants. But he and his people have not yet fully arrived where God is going to place them. The promise is still far off. Now this confuses us 
greatly, I think. If Isaac and the people of God are just going to inherit this land and it's promised to them, why doesn't God just move all the people out of there and get it over with and put them in the land and end it? We ask that question because we live in a world of instant gratification. Rarely do we have to wait for much of anything, do we? We buy on credit and get what we want immediately. What Isaac is being asked to do here doesn't flow with our get-what-we-want-now way of thinking. But God is doing something here. God is at work here. You see, the promise is still far off. It isn't here yet, Isaac. You've got to trust God, and you have to be shown that God is faithful to his promise. He will bring salvation. He's going to bring salvation to his people through Isaac's offspring. That will happen. The work of the serpent will be destroyed by the seed of the woman that was promised. But it isn't here yet, Isaac. And it isn't coming for a long time. And Isaac has to be content with what God has promised. And so God renews the covenant promise. And it sounds familiar to to us. We've seen this promise stated multiple times before. God is going to bless him. He's going to bless his offspring. This promise isn't just a promise for Isaac himself. And this is something that we struggle to understand a little bit too, I think. While we obviously want what's best for our children, and we would do anything for our children, we still don't think about our legacy and the long term in the way that they did here in Genesis. To have this promise extend extend down to the offspring meant that they would be a great nation, that a nation would come out of the offspring, that people would look to their descendants and know that you were their mother or their father, and you were the one who started that nation. You would have a great legacy. You would have renown. That's how they would have thought about the offspring, what was coming after them. They would have had a deeper, long-term vision. They weren't playing the short game here. They were playing the long game. And we see that God is playing the long game too. He is confirming this promise. It will be lasting, and it will go all the way down to your offspring. And notice that they will receive the land. Isaac isn't going to receive it, but it will come to those who are behind him. And this is the same promise that was given to Abraham. And Abraham did not ultimately receive it, but he did die hoping in that promise. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he was looking for the city that was to come, and he was saved by faith, trusting in that promise. And so we hear this same promise repeated to Isaac. And it isn't just the land. God is going to multiply his offspring as the stars of the heaven. And this is once again renewing that covenant that God made with Abraham. Remember when God took Abraham outside and he showed him the stars and he said that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the heaven? The same promise is extended to Isaac and the offspring will also inhabit that land. But the most important promise, the most important promise, the part that we need to make sure we focus on is coming up next here. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. All the other promises are good, but this is the one that we come to in this passage and we find joy in it. You and I, 
are not children of Abraham through our genetics. We are the children of Abraham through the promise. We are in covenant with God through faith because from the children of Isaac and Jacob would come the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and died for our sin and rose again to bring us eternal life. And this is the ultimate promise here that while Isaac was in the land and while Isaac had children, there was something greater that was coming. Something better was on the way. All of this was about faith. And we see this example in the final verse of our passage today. All nations will be blessed because Abraham believed God. He heard God. He kept his commands. He kept his laws. He trusted in God, even though he never fully received the promises of God that had been made to him. He hoped, and he looked beyond what was in front of him, and he trusted that God would keep his promise, even if he never saw it with his own eyes. He trusted that even if he came to his end, God would still keep the promise to him. And this is what brings us to our point of application for today. Just as Isaac was called the sojourn, the same is called upon for us. Isaac was to live in the very land that his offspring would possess, but it was not going to be his to possess. And that's hard to wrap our minds around. But isn't that exactly what we are called to do? We've heard the promise of God that he will bring us to salvation and he will bring us to eternal life, but we're waiting. The promise is far off, but we are called to believe it. We are called to live it. We're called to sojourn faithfully in the land, trusting in the promise. The promises of God to us, his covenant people, are many, and they are great, but in so many ways, those promises are still in the distance, and we have to believe by faith that God, in his grace, will cause these things to come to pass. We trust that we've received salvation, and we believe that we possess that salvation right now, but to fully realize it, we must faithfully sojourn this life, and in, that, in the meantime, while we're waiting, we're going to experience loss. We're going to experience pain. We will experience our own death ultimately. There's going to be difficulty, but we're looking for the ultimate promise that is far off. We trust that God has promised to be a God to us and to our children, and we baptize our children trusting in this promise. But there are times where we wonder if the promise will come to pass when we experience children who go wayward, yet we pray and we pray and we trust that God's Spirit will be at work in them through the word that we have been called to proclaim to them. We believe God, but in this life, we often do not see the fruit. The promise is near and dear to us, but the fulfillment is still far off. And so that's where we are called to faithfully sojourn, just as Isaac was, trusting in the promise, trusting in the promise. May we do what Isaac did, and we do this by hearing the word and trusting the Spirit to build us up in faith. We do this by faithfully proclaiming the gospel and trusting that it isn't us that is doing the work. It is God. 
We do this by following his commands and trusting that even though the world around us may mock our trust in the promise, we know, we know that the promise will in fact come. God is good to keep his promise, and he is going to bring us fully into his kingdom. Even though it may seem as though the world is seeing greater prosperity than we are, we will follow God's commands and trust that our true prosperity isn't in the things of this world, but in him and in his salvation. And we have seen God repeating the promise to his covenant people in the book of Genesis. We've seen it over and over and over and over. And God is restarting the promise, or restating the promise, as confirmation that even though it hasn't come to pass yet, it is coming. He keeps on reminding the heroes of the faith, the promise is coming. It will come to pass. And why is that? Because he is God. And he keeps his promises. He cannot lie. And so we hear, and we believe the promise. And each week that we come together, we have that covenant renewal. The reminder of God's promise that even though our salvation may seem far off, God will keep his promise because he has said that when we are in Christ, we have forgiveness of sins. We have been declared righteous And we can trust that we have eternal life. That promise is there. It is ours, but it is still far off. And so may we trust that promise and know that it will come to pass because we have a covenant-keeping God who cannot lie. And so as we walk from here today, having heard the promise again, may we trust it, knowing that God keeps his word and we have a sure promise of salvation that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.